Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello and welcome to the Naked Professors podcast. My name is Ben Bidwell and I'm here to bring you conversations that matter. With it being World Mental Health Month at the moment, I've really focused in on bringing some experts to either tell their stories or bring their expertise to help us all grow in a grow in a way that, that can help us be a better version of ourselves, if you like. Mental health can sometimes have a stigma, but for me, really, all these conversations are about allowing us to grow. So today I'm, I'm bringing Chloe Brotheridge to the table. Um, Chloe's someone I've known for a long time. She's a beautiful soul, so calm. Um, she has such a beautiful presence about her. And it's, yeah, it's no surprise that we're, we're talking today about inner calm, finding inner peace, because that's what she that's what she embodies. That's what I get from her every time I speak with her. And it's a really beautiful energy. But it wasn't always that way for Chloe. And um, she had her, her challenges. I saw often the coaches uh, experienced that kind of story um, but in doing so she learned she learned and now she's in a position to help other people and she's done so through writing her books and through her own podcast and through working as a hypnotherapist which is the particular area that she specializes in today we're focusing on inner calm inner peace we're hearing a little bit about Chloe's story and then some of the techniques that she learns and she shares with her with her both for herself and with her with her um, clients. This was a really beautiful conversation for me. It was so interesting to hear that we started off talking about inner calm, and then it's so interesting to see where the conversation goes, given that inner calm is our, is our quest. So I hope you really enjoy this. I found it fascinating, and I really loved where that, the whole conversation went. Without further ado, introducing Chloe Brotheridge. Chloe, welcome. It's really, um, it's well, it's been a long time and, I'm, and I love connecting with you. You've been traveling, we've had COVID, it's been ages, but I'm really grateful to have you here today and to, um, to reconnect and to talk about finding inner calm, which I think everyone will realize you embody as soon as you start speaking. <laughs> so thank you for being here. Welcome. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you for having me. I wonder if you were on my podcast and that was one of the last podcast I recorded before the pandemic I don't know I can't remember when it was but yeah it has been a while so yeah good to see you you know I'm, I'm so happy that we're, we're here because I loved our conversation on your podcast it was really beautiful and um yeah it's just really nice to find the right time to go, to, to reunite us and, and do this again so thank you so much for being here you know um the reason I've got you on specifically at this time is because I don't even know if it's official, to be honest, and I've spoken about this enough times, but it feels like May is becoming the month for, for World Mental Health. And um, so we've had various experts on this month, and, and, and um, I really wanted to talk to you today about finding inner calm 
um, as I say, because I know that's been your journey. I know, I know that that was your mission, if you like. That was your that was your your journey into all this is that you wanted to find your own your own calm. Is that fair to say? Yeah, and I would also say the journey continues. <laughs> the search continues to some extent. I've definitely learned a lot about myself and how to manage anxiety that I had really quite badly for many years, starting as a teenager. And the journey continues. I think we're never there. We've never arrived. And in our modern world, there's always things that are going to be stressful and that are going to trigger us. And yeah, so I'm still on that journey, but but have certainly, yeah, learned a lot myself and, and get to help other people with with anxiety and and all the ways that that can manifest itself. So let's, let's talk about that because I'd love to know, like, what is inner calm on that basis? You know, because if you said that to me ten years ago, I'm not sure I would have really, I wouldn't really have known. Now I now I definitely do, and it's a big mission of mine as well. So I'd love to I'd love to hear the different uh, perspectives, understandings. Or I'd love to hear your understanding of what inner calm is and how it feels. Yeah. So I suppose I I think being calm is actually our natural state. I think when we feel that sense of groundedness and centeredness, for me, it feels like coming home. It feels like, yes, this is this is how I'm supposed to feel. I get that feeling very strongly. And I suppose when we're experiencing anxiety or stress, which so many of us are so much of the time, and actually often people don't realize, I don't know if this is the case for, I don't know, people listening for, your, for yourself, we get so used to being um, full of adrenaline, on the go, close to burning out, feeling anxious, that we don't necessarily realize that um, there's a problem until something kind of snaps within us or until, um, you know, things things change for the worse or, you know, life throws something in your direction. So I think part of it is sometimes we don't realize how stressed and anxious we are um, until we learn how to to feel calmer, until we learn that there's another way of being. And I, I'm not going to sit here and say we should feel calm all the time because I think stress has a place, anxiety has a place, all, all our emotions are valid. But learning to come back to yourself, learning to heal the things that are stopping you from feeling calm and learning tools to, to calm your nervous system down, I think is is something that we all need mm. yeah well said well said and, and do you know what I know, I know you've been in Bali um, recently and, and you're not in London now you've come back to the UK but I, I really feel everything you just said especially in London and I feel like almost society teaches us it's almost good to be stressed it's almost you know we wear that busyness as a badge of honor don't we you know it's I, I, I still hear it now when people, someone says, how are you? And I said, yeah, I'm really busy at the moment. And they go, oh, that's good. It's really good to be busy. Oh, what's, the, what's the phrase I often hear? Um, I can't remember what it is, but people often say it back to me. And I'm just like, oh, yeah, I, I, I can understand in theory it's good to be busy. But really, like, is busy like a, I know it's not an emotion, but is it a good energy to be filled with? Maybe sometimes, maybe, yeah, and it can be satisfying. But I do feel like the London energy is the opposite of, calm of peace it's always and it, and, it, and it can present well you know if we're busy and we're running around and what have you done i've done this and i've done that and da, 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 well done it's great but how does it feel on the inside and like you say i believe that that inner state our inner state our natural inner state is is one of of peace and tranquility and perhaps there's almost some fear of that because if we're peaceful and, and tranquil 
then perhaps we're not doing enough. Perhaps we should be seen to be doing more. But I, I just feel that energy society does not teach us this this anymore. To be calm, to be tranquil is a is a is a healthy state. So I love what you've said. Yeah, definitely. It's interesting. I remember, yeah, when, when you ask someone how they are in London, very often people will say that they're busy as the answer to how they are when I don't think that's an answer, but it's almost like busy has become our you know, default mode. But I think you're absolutely right in that we've got to think about how it feels. I know there are, there are lots of people that say, I thrive you know, when things are busy. I love doing lots of things. But there are other people, myself included, my nervous system doesn't doesn't cope very well with having loads of things and loads of overwhelming things and meeting after meeting after meeting and running from place to place. For me personally, that that doesn't suit me. So I think we've got to listen to ourselves and what's what's right for us. And I think things are changing. I think I heard someone say recently, you know, busyness is being replaced by boundaries. You know, boundaries are all the rage now. We're starting to learn that boundaries are a thing and it's actually okay to say no. And I think we're starting to shift into that, but I think it's going to, it's going to take some time to get used to being able to say no and getting out of this mindset that our worth is defined by what we do and how productive we are. There's this sense that the more we do, the more, the more we are. And instead, you know, can we focus on, on being rather than doing and, come back to the things that really make us happy and if that does make you happy to be doing lots of things then that's great but if it doesn't you know I hope we can as a society start to change things and and learn that it's okay to relax I've I've lost count of the number of people that I've heard saying you know I feel guilty for relaxing I don't even relax on holiday I can't watch Netflix without having one eye on my phone looking at work emails or on Instagram thinking that I've got to be trying to grow my Instagram following um, and it's, we're never going to be satisfied if we're constantly, you know, if we can't enjoy our leisure time, then, you know, what can we enjoy? So I hope, I hope that our mindset can shift in that area. And all of that resonates with me again. I think particularly for us who are individually, um, who aren't part of companies that there's always more to do. There's always more to do. And I, I can't speak, I'm sure it's the same when you work for a company that there's the same kind of feeling or perhaps in in a slightly different way. But I know from my perspective, and particularly during this lockdown period, I, you know, I'm, I'm living in my office effectively because my flat is my office. And it's like, when do I ever, when do I ever stop? And there's part of me that my ego from in my language that, that appreciates that ability to always have the, the, to always be working effectively because I've been programmed in to think that achievement is such an important thing. And it hasn't been good for my mental health in that sense it, like over the last year. You know, it's, I'm caught up constantly in, in work. Um, I'm never really finding calm in that space because I'm not able to really switch off in, uh, you know, in an office environment because there's always, there's, there's this, there is a voice that says to me, you shouldn't be watching TV now. You could be doing, you could be growing your Instagram, for mm. example, which is a never ending project. You know, there's no, there's no completion on that. Um, there's, and there's loads of things like that. So let's can we dive into your journey into to how you've gone about? And, and as, as I totally hear you, and I, and I 
I'd be more worried if you said you'd completed it and an inner calm is now achieved. But as you say, the journey is, is ongoing because new challenges are always coming up. Perhaps we sometimes forget um, part, things to do that, that, that we know bring us calm because we're just out of, out of habit. But um, I'd love to hear about your journey. How, how did you go about it? How did you start finding your, your calm? Yeah, so I, as a teenager, so I'll start at the beginning. As a teenager, I was very... I don't know if the right word is repressed. I didn't understand myself. I didn't know anything about emotions or thoughts or why we feel the way we do. I didn't, yeah. And, and when I started having panic attacks at 15, it seemed to just come out of the blue. I didn't know why it was happening. And I, I had a panic attack so bad that I thought I was dying, begged my friend to take me to hospital, couldn't breathe. It was very dramatic and it remains one of the most, you know, dramatic moments of my life. And after that point, I really felt like I couldn't trust myself. I couldn't trust my body. I could lose control at any time. And I didn't understand what was going on or why. And I remember going to speak to, I think it was something like the school nurse who told me in a very patronizing way, you know, what have you got to worry about? Just don't panic. Just just don't panic. And so I felt even less understood by that experience. And that, and that kind of put me off, I think, asking for help. I think I just thought, no one, you know, I'm a, I'm a, this is a one-off incident. No one's ever had a panic attack except for me. No one's ever experienced this. No one understands. I've just got to live with it. And so it, it actually took me about 10 years before I went to see a therapist. And the, the kind of the trigger point for that was with my, in my relationship at that time, I was 25, anxiety was getting in the way of my relationship so much that I was, we were going to break up. Um, you know, anxiety is very hard for the person experiencing it. And it's also pretty hard for the partner of the person who is trying to support them or doesn't understand. Or, you know, I would do things like push him away, um, sabotage things. And it was all to do with the subconscious wounds and pain that I hadn't dealt with and that I had no idea about because I'd never investigated or got to know myself. So I started at 25 to have therapy. I tried a lot of different things. I read a lot of different books. It did need to reach the point where I was like, I'm going to ruin my life if I don't sort myself out. So it had to, had to reach that point of kind of, yeah, life ruining levels. Um, and slowly but surely, I started to learn about myself. I started to realize, you know, you're not anxious for no reason. There's a reason that you're like this. Um, and I looked into things to do with my upbringing, things to do with my mom and her anxiety and the trauma that she'd experienced that had gone down the generations and been passed on to me. And I started to realize, actually, when you learn about yourself, when you discover what your triggers are, when you realize, actually, there's a wound here that really wants to be, what needs to be healed. And if you can do some work to heal that, then the, the manifestations of that start to resolve themselves. So yeah, I went on this I want to say healing journey that's kind of a cheesy phrase I don't normally say that but mission to to try to to be calmer to feel better about myself and yeah slowly but surely started to feel better and started to realize that we're not fixed we're not you know static beings that just stay the same there are things that we can do to help ourselves and it took me a long time to realize that and to get that message I think like a lot of people I thought oh this is just the way I am. I'm always going to be like this, but it's just not the case. And so, yeah, I've done lots of things, lots of weird and wonderful retreats and 
trips to the Amazon <laughs> to try to heal and meditation for hours and hours a day. And it's all been helpful. It's all been helpful. And I've learned a lot and get to help other people now who've experienced the same sort of things. Oh, yeah, that's so beautiful. You know, it's um, it's really interesting. I, I, I had um, Dr. Russell Kennedy. I don't know if you've come across him. He's American, but he recently wrote a book called Anxiety Rx. Um, and he talked a lot about similar kind of things and, and really a big part of his healing journey was was psychedelics and I think ayahuasca and um it's something I know very little about but I'm I'm exploring and I think it's becoming a new a new topic and a new um uh kind of a new avenue that for a long time was frowned upon and suddenly now is being viewed in a very different light um but there's a whole lot of other things that you said in there as well and and um a big part of that I think what, what I was kind of hearing in your, in your conversation which I totally totally feel is is, is so true is there's almost two aspects to, to anxiety. There's addressing what's happened to you in your past that's led you to, to traumas, which I know is an aggressive word, but also an understanding that the sort of the events that can happen today that can trigger you back into to experiencing fear or anxiety or however you want to phrase it, irregular body feelings, if you like, um, that can hinder your the, the, the way that you show up in life, like you said, that can hinder your experiences and relationships, that can lead you to self-sabotage, that can lead you to come from not from a place of your authentic heart, in, in my language, not the truth of who you really are, but from a, a place that's acting from from fear, really, from fight or flight. And um, yeah, so that there's 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 a big two parts to that to that to that. It's learning like we've had to had to in the last year, addressing something like COVID that suddenly presents all these new problems. But then also going within ourselves and understanding our journey and perhaps understanding why we talk to ourselves the way we do or why we get these physiological triggers inside of our body that lead us to feel uncomfortable. Um, do you mind, can we talk a little bit about unpacking your, your, your journey and unpacking your, your story from back from childhood in terms of what sort of things did you, did you experience? What sort of things did you, did you did work that helped you? What did you try? What did you do? How, how, did, that, how did they help? Yeah, sure. So you use the word trauma there. I think trauma can sound like a bit of a heavy word, but there are there are two types of trauma. Big T trauma, people that have experienced big traumatic events, abuse, being in a war zone, being in an accident. And then there are little T traumas. And little T traumas we've all experienced. And they are getting picked on at school, having your parents split up, um, you know, being shouted at in front of the class, in front of all your friends, those everyday things that as children, very often, we, we interpret in a way that causes us to take on board a belief or give, give that situation some meaning that stays with us. Or maybe the body learns something from that experience that something isn't safe. And so we've all experienced these little T traumas. And I I've been very lucky in my life. I've never experienced a big T trauma, but in terms of those little traumas, everyday things, um, having a mum who was very anxious, very stressed, um, going to a new school, a different school to the rest of my friends when I was um, 11, a new high school, because um, my parents couldn't afford to send me to the, the school that I was going to, that all my friends were going to, sorry. Um, those little things that you know, maybe made me feel like I wasn't okay, or I was an outsider. Um, those experiences that as an adult, we can look back and see, you know, you weren't really an outsider, you know, you were 
you were okay. But at the time, the meaning that we create, the meaning that I created from those experiences was I'm not okay. I'm, I'm something to be ashamed of. I don't belong. And those beliefs and those, yeah, those wounds were things that I've really had to work to, to heal. And a, a lot of that has been going back to those times in the past. And this is something I do often with people in hypnotherapy. Um, going back to little, you know, 11-year-old Chloe, who was at this secondary school where she had a different accent to everyone. She was the only vegetarian in the school. She's the tallest girl in the school. And saying to her, you're okay. You know, this time in your life, it's going to pass so quickly and you're going to make friends and you're going to belong at some point. And actually, there are lots of people that love and accept you. So a process of, of healing the beliefs that were took on board at that time and reprogramming the, those negative patterns and beliefs that came from those experiences. That's been a big part of it. And in plant medicine, you know, often in plant medicine, that's the sort of spontaneous process that often comes up for people. It's, it's like you may not never have had therapy, but you might find yourself going through that process of feeling pain from the past or communing with your past self and doing some healing work. And, and that's been one of the things that has, has really helped me. So yeah, I would say that's probably the biggest thing, kind of working with those past experiences and sending new positive beliefs and uh, love to my past self. That's been really, really massive. And thank you for sharing all of that. And, uh, you know, I can imagine to someone who would be, let's say, who's new to this could go, oh, come on, like, you know, my, my, my inner child or whatever you want to call it doesn't need a hug. I can't hug it anyway. It's like all this stuff that happened in the past is gone. I've forgotten about it. It's like whatever. Like, I, you know, I, I just need to pull myself together. Um, I think for me in putting it in simplest terms is that until, if we don't address it, then that stuff, those, those small T's, as you, I really like the way you explain that, um, small traumas that maybe didn't even feel traumatic at the time. We might even have just brushed them off as just being normal or kind of just whatever part of the experience but they create a narrative you know they, they, they teach us to talk to ourselves in a certain way in our head and how we talk to ourselves in our head creates energy in our body and if we don't change the the, the narrative that we create as a as a child which is we are just a child we don't have the emotional intelligence of an adult that can say oh you know that other child didn't mean to be horrible they're just they're just playing or you know it doesn't just because you're tall doesn't mean that anything else it's it's a beautiful thing but we as a child as children we're still learning and discovering and very innocent and someone takes take, takes the piss out of us for being tall so we can really hate being tall and then we have that story that tall is bad i hate being tall until we actually go back and understand and find the compassion as you say to, to actually readdress that that narrative is going to keep playing out and if someone something happens around us being tall in any capacity in the strangest of ways we might have an automatic sort of self-defense mechanism that kicks off internally that says, oh, uncomfortable, danger, alert, like get out of this situation. And we have this constant self-talk in our head that says, oh, I'm, I've got even taller as I've got older and now I'm even worse because I remember that moment or you don't even remember it in that time, but your body remembers mm -hmm. that moment when being tall was really bad and we keep playing it. So what we're talking about here and all that work you're saying is just with compassion, we're able to to retune, rechange that story inside of our head that, you know, what do, what do we have? 50 to 60,000 thoughts a day or something like that, most of which are repeated day in, day out. 
And what we're trying to do in doing in talking about this work is allow for that narrative to change so that we're not now just naturally, like unconsciously, without us even realizing it, creating these stories that don't serve us, that lead us to self-sabotage in our relationships or in our jobs or in any kind of things that we, we want to succeed in. Um, and that's what I'm hearing. Does that, does, that, does that fit in with your kind of perspective if we're trying to simplify this to an understanding level? Definitely, definitely. And I think sometimes, well, there can be resistance to thinking about the past. You know, we want to put a lid on it. We don't want to go there. It's hard work to think about it. But if you want to free yourself from getting triggered by stuff, if you're finding that you're having a strong emotional reaction to something and you're not sure why, or you're in a negative pattern of thinking about things, or you're depressed or anxious, you know, there's very likely a reason for that. And very, very often there is something in the past that is at the root of that. Yeah. And, and that's a really beautiful gift for us all to know. Um, I love the quote that says, your wound is not your fault, but your healing is your responsibility. And I know that when we put the responsibility on people to heal, that's a big responsibility and it's tough and it's not easy and you can't flick your click your fingers and say I'm healed and you know I'm gonna be better tomorrow it's a long process like you just said and often a process that we we don't want to go on because we've buried those feelings for good reason because they're painful they hurt us we don't like to think about them so it is easier just to not think about them not bring them up but they're constantly living inside of us in that place and going back to this concept of calm if we've got those triggers still undealt with and and I wish there was a word for for something that had been given compassion. You know, it'd been it'd been compassioned, if you like. <laughs> um, then, you know, it's going to continue continue to flare up. And, and calm is fi- hard to find when our inner dialogue is making us wrong, or is 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 in pain, or is talking nastily to us, is telling us that we're not good enough, we're not worthy, that we're too tall, we're too big, we're too small, we're too this, we're too that, we're too much. It's hard to find calm when that's the conversation that's going on in our heads, and that's what um that's what I, I hear you saying. And so, does how does your hypnotherapy work? Like, what is how does that tie into to, to this? Can you tell us a little bit about how that fits in? Yeah, so hypnotherapy has a bit of a weird reputation because people think about I don't know men in like wizards capes snapping their fingers on a stage or something like that, but. You know, it's something that is extremely powerful and and we can see how powerful it is when we see the stage shows or the Darren Brown or that sort of thing. But when it's used in a therapeutic way, it's so, so helpful because so often, well, we all all know that, well, we've all heard the stat, it's something like 95% of our thoughts and feelings and our behaviours are subconscious. So we don't actually have a lot of conscious control. Anyone who's ever tried to think their way out of feeling anxious or just tell themselves to stop beating themselves up will know that it's pretty hard to do consciously. Um, What hypnotherapy does is it helps us to access the subconscious mind. So where the the automatic thoughts and the feelings and the behaviors are coming from. So when you're being hypnotized, you feel as though you're in a daydream. It's really relaxing. It's, It's such a natural state of mind. Actually, we we go into hypnotic states of mind several times a day before we wake up in the morning, before we go to sleep. Our brains will go through um, you know, hypnotic states just before we're about to fall asleep. When we're zoned out in front of the TV, that's a hypnotic state. And so we can access this deep state 
to send some positive ideas to our subconscious, to tell ourselves some, some I don't know, something reassuring, give ourselves some compassion, give ourselves some love. And we're in a more receptive state to be able to receive it. Because when we're in hypnosis, the conscious mind really quietens down and the subconscious opens up. So it's really just a state of mind where we can make changes from more easily. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Life is full of awesome what-ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at UH1.com. so simple when you put it like that and I, I work my, my first entry into doing work on myself was was with a, a hypnotherapist and um at that point because it was my first start and I think my, my head was so strong I was so so stuck in my head you know I was trying to rationalize this and without understanding you know I just couldn't rationalize it it was like just you're talking to me and I, I think probably perhaps the, the whole um I want to say Michael McIntyre, but it's not Michael McIntyre, Paul McKenna. Um, the whole Paul McKenna series that I remember used to w- watch ages ago where people run around, like you said, and do crazy things and things like that. And that's what I thought hypnotherapy was. And so I kind of thought perhaps if I start doing hypnotherapy, she's just going to, I'm going to do some weird stuff and then bingo, I'm, I'm, I'm fixed. But um, even in just having this conversation now, there's more depth to understanding and it, it really does make even to my rational mind that's still alive that's naturally within me it really does make so much sense it does make so much sense when, especially when you say 95 percent of our behavior is is buried in our subconscious or does come from our subconscious so we're not aware of these things um but yeah talking to that changing that narrative like you say with compassion and chloe so so many of these conversations that i have it always comes back to just compassion being such a huge part of it because i think shame shame is when we carry that shame when the rhetoric is that 
we're shameful that we're we're I keep coming back to tall because we're both tall and I think I probably had that experience when I was a child as well but um you know we're too tall or gangly is something that comes to me then um I've lost my trail of thought now but yeah just having compassion that it's not shameful to be to be that and to understand allow yourself to sink now we can actually talk about it and I guess a huge a huge thing for me now in in having conversations like this is when I can see someone really accepting their flaws and able to talk about like you have done some of the challenges that you faced in the past it's a really beautiful sign for me that they're not carrying those negatively in their subconscious anymore there's some acceptance through through compassion and with that they're okay to talk about it it's it's no longer a sort it's no longer painful it's just part of their story in the past and there's much more freedom in that place. Not to say it doesn't still come up sometimes, like you said, you know, but the, the, there's less severity, there's less defensiveness around it. Now we've allowed it to come up. Now we've allowed it to heal. And it's really beautiful. And I just, I'm going off on a massive rant here, Chloe. I'm, so, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm just, all good. <laughs> but what, what comes to me saying this is, <laughs> what comes to me saying this is, um, when we do this work, you know, when you allow a hypnotherapist or, or someone like Chloe in whatever aspect, however you work with them, whether it is using hypnotherapy or different different aspects, you're just allowing them to be more of who they truly are, not who they who they learn to be. And that's freedom and that's liberating, returning back to yourself. It's it's a really beautiful journey. And I, I remember having the feeling of sitting with you the first time we did this and just feeling like having that authentic connection of just you know, really talking to someone who, who's done the work and it's beautiful for us all to do. Um, yeah, I don't know. Does that, do, <laughs> there's no question to this, but I just, that's, that's what intuitively was sitting inside of me as you mm-hmm. shared all that. It's, it's a beautiful journey to go and do this work. Can you, in fact, can you tell, tell me a little bit more about this? That in what, what benefits have you, have you gained in your space now in, in having understanding and letting go of the wounds and the, some of the, the small teas that you experienced to now being Chloe, um, who can still have face challenges, but, but can sit with more inner calm inside of her. What do you have in that space? It's interesting, you know, talking about shame, that was something that affected me massively. I remember first, when I first started having therapy, having to talk about myself, having to tell this stranger things about myself that I felt so ashamed about, I remember clawing at my jeans and my legs, like through my jeans, like I was so uncomfortable. It was like I wanted to take, rip my skin off. It was absolutely excruciating. And that's what shame does to us. It makes us believe that we're not okay, that we're bad, that we're, you know, if someone, if someone knows what I'm really like, then they're going to be horrified. That's what shame tells us. And what I've learned so much through the, the healing that I've done and also the, the kind of the group work that I've done with people is that, um, and, and I know Bre- Brene Brown has this famous quote, shame can't survive being spoken. When we are open about it, when we say it out loud, we're met with acceptance and we're met with someone saying, I, I felt exactly the same as that as well. It's so healing and it's almost like the shame just dissolves in the light of us, bringing it up to the light, showing, showing it some love, having other people witness it, I, I don't think the shame can survive in that situation. And a massive thing that I've noticed has been people needing to know that they're not alone with what they're experiencing. And 
And knowing that other people feel the same is one of the most healing things, I think. We all just want to know that we're not the only one. Um, but so much of things to do with our mental health, I think anxiety and depression, particularly part of, part of the anxiety and depression is telling you you're the only one that feels like this. And also you're never going to change. You're going to feel like this forever. And I remember when I first started doing talks in public and group talks in front of groups of people, being able to, you know, it was a massive healing thing for me to share about the anxiety that I'd experienced and how people say I felt the same. That was really healing. And the people listening, hearing that I'd felt the same and other people sharing, you know, was a massive thing. So sharing about things is really important. Um, I think being, you know, being kind to yourself, because it's easy to think, um, I should have this sorted by now, or, oh, I thought I'd made this progress. Because recently I had an experience where, oh, I thought I'd left that feeling behind. Oh, I'm having this feeling of like being in Bali, meeting new people, wondering if I'm going to be accepted, you know, making new friends, the kind of vulnerability of texting someone and saying, do you want to go for a coffee? And I noticed those feelings coming up again of, oh, you know, am I, am I going to fit in with this group of people? Am I okay? And really recognizing that as it come up, as it came up was so powerful for me and being like, right, now is the moment to be kind to yourself, to hold yourself to this experience and to remind yourself it's okay to feel this, you're human. And someone once described it to me once as like healing's like a spiral and you, and you might be spiraling up, but you might have thought you've got over your feelings of shame, but then you spiral around again and you realize on another level you're experiencing it again. And it doesn't mean that you're going backwards and it doesn't mean there's something wrong with you if you feel like you're taking a step back, but that's, that's part of the healing spiral. So yeah, that's an experience I had recently about, about that. Totally. I don't, I don't think that the, the, you know, the fears are still going to be there. The story is still going to be there, but it's just our ability to, to handle it differently now. Like, again, with, with compassion rather than, oh, my God, there's something wrong with me. Alert. Like, oh, my God, I'm about to be rejected or I'm going to fail or embarrass myself or I'm not, no longer welcome or whatever it is. It's actually now, oh, hey, there's that in a child of mine that's, that's, uh, that's a bit scared of this situation because of that time when I was seven, when I got experienced that thing. And Actually, it's okay. So I, I, it's interesting that came up, but I know it doesn't. It's not going to define me in this moment, and I don't need to play with it or embody that anymore. I can just let it be, and that's that's now we've just shown ourselves there in that moment. We've grown, I, I, I think. Um, and so, what having this understanding, and you know, obviously the journey is still ongoing, and the work continues, and the, the challenges still come up. But what does it allow you to be, Chloe? Now. Um, who you weren't able to be when you were 25, let's say, when you're going through um, difficulties and you had an understanding, you thought this was only happening to you. What, what's, like, why bother? Why bother? Go, like, it's easier just to bury this stuff and never have to deal with it. Why, what, what have you gained in doing this work? That's what I'd love to know. Mm, yeah, such a good question. So what I've noticed is, well, one thing in my, in my family that, people like to do is to sweep stuff under the carpet and <laughs> not deal with it and not talk about it and when you do that resentment builds up and things don't get sorted things stagnate so for me having an attitude of we talk about everything like in my relationship we talk about everything nothing gets swept under the carpet nothing gets ignored we talk, yeah no conversation is out of limits and in my friendships as well I think 
being able to connect with people so much more deeply because we have open conversations with each other. And those might be awkward conversations. They might feel embarrassing or vulnerable, but, you know, having a commitment for me to have those sorts of conversations. And a big thing for me has been living the sort of life that I want to live. I remember feeling like my world was very small before. Everything was scary and I held myself back from doing things. I couldn't, you know, I would get nervous meeting a person one-on-one, let alone talking to, you know, hundreds of people on a stage. And being able to overcome some of those fears and learning to, to know that it's okay to feel afraid, it's okay to have a lot of nervous feelings in your body and still do it, um, has meant that my world has opened up so much. And I've been able to have so many different experiences and do the work that I do. And um, yeah, it's, it's, it's expanded my world in a lot of ways and deepened my relationships. I think those would be the, the two that come to mind for me. Yeah, they'd be really similar for me too, actually. And it's really beautiful. I was just thinking as I was listening, I'm really grateful to have this conversation and to feel like we're, we're really just making things really simple in, in that respect, which you have a beautiful ability to do, by the way. Um, and so, like, just to expand on what you just said, for me, relationships are everything, everything now. And 10 years ago, relationships well, maybe 15 years ago, relationships weren't everything. They, they were everything to my heart still. Deep down, they were really what I, I, they really made me feel alive. They were really beautiful. They're incredible. But other things became priorities ahead of them. You know, I was, quick wins, you know, the instant gratification things were much easier and much more accessible. And I could just buy them and get them and get them pretty quickly as and when I needed to. And relationships were kind of, yeah, they, they were good, but they never seemed to quite fit into all of my terms and I'd have to make sacrifices and the benefits were never quite outweigh just going to the party and having fun every weeekend instead. That was a much easier option. What I've learned now is that relationships and feeling deeply connected to, to people is the most beautiful of gifts, the most powerful internal and long-lasting energy that we can have um, inside of us and with that space with that feeling with that connection we're much less in need of the quick fixes because we realize that they are not they're not they're not the be all and end all they're not where my happiness resides they're just what they are like bits of fun and I'm not saying never never go and have any fun or never go and do things that go to the party or whatever but for me my work on is much more about allowing the deep connections into my life, including with myself, you know, as, as well as other people, really knowing myself, knowing my values, aligning with my values, being true to who I am, feeling integral, feeling aligned. Um, then from that space, feeling good, I, you know, go and enjoy experiences on top, but knowing I don't need them. And invariably, I make that choice less because it's, they're, not, they're no longer as much of a priority. But um, yeah, that sense of opening up in really simple form what I'm trying to say is that it's very hard to build deep connections if we don't show ourselves if we don't express from a deeper place you know I don't build a a deep connection with someone when I talk to them about football I build some kind of connection you know that, that we can we can converse and we can feel but we're not going beneath the surface you know and and I never really would have understood that term beneath the surface before but now 
in conversations like this, they really come alive. Beneath the surface is allowing yourself to be seen more deeply, allowing yourself to share your anxieties, to share what's troubling you, to share what the voice inside of your head is talking about, even to share why that voice in the head is talking to you like it did, because I remember back taking me back into this past experience of feeling like this and allowing people to understand you a little bit. When we understand each other, there's more depth to our connection. And this to me is like almost a forgotten part of the human experience. Um, we are wired for connection, but we live in a world that just says, go and consume, go to the shops, go and buy stuff, go and get a new car instead, or get the bigger house and all that stuff. That's what we're shown everywhere. Never do we get a message anywhere saying, open yourself up, have deep, have, show, be more vulnerable, allow people to see you more deeply, form deeper relationships and you'll feel better internally. I mean, if that was an advert on TV, people would switch channel generally. <laughs> but that's the truth for yeah. me. That's what I truly believe. Yeah, yeah, totally. I was thinking as you were speaking, I was thinking about this experience that I had a year and a half ago, just before the pandemic, of going to Brazil to stay with a tribe in the Amazon for a couple of weeks. And so just look at the way they live, where their whole lives are dancing, singing, drinking ayahuasca, sitting by the fire, saying prayers. The children, we never saw a child cry. There were children running around, you know, all day and night, never crying, never having a tantrum, anything like that. And those really simple things that, that are what give us a lot of joy and happiness, connection, being with each other, singing and dancing and praying and yeah, talking around the campfire. Those are the things that really nourish us. And yeah, I'm looking forward to getting to <laughs> see people again and have those sorts of experiences again with things hopefully opening up. Um, and yeah, that's what's what I was thinking as you were, as you were speaking. Such a beautiful example, Chloe. Such a beautiful example. The thing that strikes me when you say that is that that stuff in today's world, especially for me sitting here in London, that stuff takes vulnerability. That stuff takes being seen, you know, sitting around, talking about things, dancing, expressing ourselves. It takes vulnerability. And in, in, in London, we generally have to drink 10 pints as a man to do that, you know, or whatever it is, take something that allows us to, to let go of the voice in our head that says, oh, no, embarrassing or awkward or difficult or I don't do this or whatever the story is. Um, and actually, you know, this is, this is when we take all that conditioning away, like you just said, when we're naturally in that, that, that environment that you just explained in the Amazon, it's, that's what we, we love to do as humans. It's, it's, that's how we're wired. It's beautiful. It's free. It's connection. It's self-expression. It's creativity. It's flow. Um, and it feels a long, a long, a long way from how I live in London, you know, it's, yeah, it's a beautiful example. Thank you for sharing that. How do you, how do you aim to bring that alive in your life now? Do you, is it something, is that part of your finding calm, you know, dancing around a fireplace, things like that? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, uh, yeah, I try to, well, obviously before the pandemic, um, We'll go to different things like singing circles or ceremonies. There's lots of different ceremonies taking place in the UK. Hopefully there will be this summer where, yeah, people are getting together, sitting around the fire, singing songs, praying, or, yeah, having experiences with plant medicines. And, yeah, that is quite a big part of my life, I would say. 
and uh yeah always come away from those experiences feeling like this is what this is what life's about this is yeah this is it this is the most important thing to be able to connect back and have those experiences and you I've always felt so nourished and yeah connected and like I can't describe it the feeling is for me like um I don't know if people aren't necessarily that spiritual listening to this but like a sacredness feeling of it's like that feeling when you've been out in a forest or you've been swimming in the ocean and you're like wow isn't nature amazing it's kind of like this I, I would describe it for me as sacredness and for me I get that feeling from connecting with people and being in those spaces of real sacredness that I can then bring into the rest of my life that just adds a richness to things that a lot of other experiences don't don't deliver on don't give me I love that that sense of sacredness you know and it it reminds me it almost feels like we've it's really interesting the journey this conversation has been on in itself because we we talked about finding inner calm and of course you know perhaps a a, a, a a corporate world would say, right, give us specific things, this, 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 and this that can fix our inner calm. But it's almost like, it's just like, okay, it might not be physical medicine, but it's almost like, give me a plaster for that and a plaster for that and a plaster for that that can just help me in that moment. But if we're going deeper, it feels like we've gone onto this. It's understanding innately who we are as a human being and what our needs are. And those needs for me, and this is going to sound a little, and I don't mean to make anyone wrong, but our needs as human beings go beneath what we're shown in society and the things that you're talking about now some people might go that's just weird and it's not me it's not me and I would argue that it is them it is them it's just the stories that they've tell themselves that that, that makes themselves repel against them you know I, I always thought I'm not a dancer I was like no I don't like dancing I remember always used to kind of judge people looking at the dancing going why would you do that why would you do that and it was really just because it was fear for me. It was just fear that I wasn't good at it and I would make up stories that it wasn't a good thing. But put me in the kitchen in a song that I love and there's no one around, my body naturally wants to bop away, you know, um, when I'm free from judgment, free just to be myself. So I had to really sink into that acceptance and be like, no, this is turning to the deeper perceptions of who I really am as a human being is that I have a body that loves to move and loves music. and when I'm in deep conversations, I love to let myself be seen and create and express how I feel and for people to see me, the truth of who I am, not who I'm pretending to be. All these things are what nourish me, the sacredness, as you said, say, that, that, that make me feel more complete as a, as a human being, more settled, more calm, more peaceful, more aligned. All these words that are just so important, so important. Um, and I'm really grateful for you for showing, reminding me of that, reminding me of that, because you explain it in just a beautiful way. Thank you. No, thank you. And it feels like that's the a natural point. I, um, it feels like we've completed a circle, but is there anything else that you'd like to add to this? Because we, as I say, we've started to talk about inner, inner peace and inner calm, but we've ended up talking about dancing around fire pits in, in, in the Amazon. And <laughs> I don't think you necessarily would have made that straight line at the beginning as a as a listener, but that's where we found ourselves. But is there anything else you'd wanna you'd wanna add to in, in everything that you shared today? I suppose, as you said before, there's a, there can be a combination of getting to the root of things and healing healing where those triggers come from, and then having those practical tools and things in your life that are going to help you in the day to day. And I think it absolutely is a combination of 
of the two. We need, I think, to have those practical tools in place to counteract the fact that we're living in a, a life that we weren't evolved to, to live in. So having, you know, journaling your thoughts or meditating, getting outside in nature, walking, talking to people. So yeah, I think it can absolutely be a combination of those two things and they're both really important. So yeah, that's the final thing I would say, I think. Beautiful. Thank you, Chloe. And do you know what? I'm going to add that if you want to accelerate that process, if, you, if you're like, I'm interested in this. And actually, I've heard things today that I haven't really thought about in that way before. And they do kind of, as much as I almost hate to admit it, they do kind of intrigue me in some capacity. Maybe I'm not exploring all of who I can be. We've both done something called the Hoffman process, which experiences like that really put you in an environment for a week where you, you just go on, a, on, on an investigative journey into yourself um, to learn and things like that can really um, accelerate the process if you like you know you can do that that stuff in a week that you could be spending a couple of couple of years in trying to learn about yourself so it might sound scary or foreign but jumping into experiences like that or Chloe I don't know do you host any retreats or um, anything like that have you got anything like that I don't host retreats but I do different online courses and group online group experiences that I that I run with people where we do a lot of yeah healing things at the root and connecting together and sharing and that sort of thing so yeah jump in if these things interest you then that's where I that's where it started for me working with a coach so yeah dive into these things and see what comes out of it and that's um that's what I feel like sharing because I think you've really expressed things really beautifully today Chloe, just taking us all into a little introspective journey and reminding ourselves what matters and how that's important in, in finding inner calm and also reminding everyone that inner calm is is possible for us all it is our natural state and you're not bad or wrong for how you feel and you're not on your own but we've all had challenges you've and, and you're just experiencing perhaps some big t's or some little t's that that are unresolved and you can resolve them you can re- you can find that that space of calm again it is all possible and that's what you've reminded me of today again chloe so just thank you so much thank you for everything you shared and thank you for sitting in the space with me thank you thank you for amazing questions great to speak to you oh, i love that conversation it's a, it's a real honor and privilege for me to sit in, in spaces like this and allow these conversations to flow um Chloe brings such a calmness, such a simplicity to this journey that I really hoped helped. It's, it's interesting actually for me to sit in the space because I heard a lot of what we've heard throughout this month actually in similar ways, but everyone brings their own version to it. Um, so I hope that brought a lot for you and the whole, I hope it made you question how inner calm, inner peace can exist for you. Are you living truly in tune with your values or are you being pulled by the values that society teaches you? And did you ever associate that with finding calm? Uh, Really interesting because it's been a massive part of my journey for sure is aligning truly with my deepest values. And those deepest values were certainly different to what society taught me. So yeah, really grateful to bring that conversation alive and uh, looking forward to doing a bit of booging. Whether I'll make it to the Amazon, I don't know, but booging wherever I can. I'm working it on the kitchen at the moment, so um, that will have to do. But yes, I hope you enjoyed it. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, If these conversations do help you, 
and you enjoyed them, please feel free to share them in any capacity. If you do share on socials, I'm always so grateful to see that you have done. Um, it's really beautiful for me to know that the conversation has impacted people, so please tag me in. Um, and if you want to rate, review, or subscribe, or follow, whatever your button says, then that would be amazing. We'd really love actually more on more reviews. Um, that would be incredibly helpful and beautiful to see. So any help you can offer would be amazing if you have enjoyed this. Um, if you haven't, thank you for listening anyway. Um, and feel free to join us anytime you want if you think that there's potential in, in what we're sharing. Thank you so much for joining us. Sending lots of love. Enjoy. Well, I hope there's some sunshine. Enjoy the sunshine. And uh, I'll see you, I hope, next week. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello? Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.